Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning again. Welcome, everybody who's listening and watching by YouTube for the first time ever here from the First Baptist Church in Coleraine. We'd like to continue to read today from the book of Revelation to the church in Laodicea, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in fire, so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To all who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I, ov I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. May God give us understanding of his word this morning. Amen. Uh, just to let you know, if you're unaware, that we are delving into the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. It's full of prophecies and it's also uh, a lot of symbolism. But uh, nevertheless, those symbols mean something relevant. And it's just as relevant today as it was when it was first written. Just before Christmas... We are studying the letters written by the Apostle John. He was the only one left out of the 12 disciples. Seven letters written to the seven churches in Western Turkey, modern-day Western Turkey. Back in the day, it was called Asia Minor. And Jesus told John to write down his thoughts. It wasn't John's thoughts. It was Jesus' thoughts. And now we come to the seventh letter, which I've just read, 
addressed to the church in Laodicea. So let's uh, have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful again to be here in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day. We thank you for the ones that are tuning in, the ones that are listening by social media as well, wherever you may be. We pray that we would be tuned in and listen and learn something practical from this message that has been prepared for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Laodicea was a very wealthy trade route city with many financial institutions, many banks, trades, numerous trades, and many merchants, very wealthy city, many wealthy people in that city. There were numerous temples where the Lodiceans worshipped, mythical Greek gods and goddesses. There's also a, a large stadium there, sporting stadium. There were gymnasiums, there were theatres, and even a medical school. And uh, they, they came up with uh, salves or ointments to cure many di different types of diseases. Jesus, in verse 14, identifies himself as the amen, the faithful and true witness, and the beginning of God's creation. The title, Amen, indicates that he is God's final and perfect revelation. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the faithful and true living word of God. We read Hebrews chapter 1, 1 and 2. It says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, and we're living in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, and his son is named Jesus. Jesus is the only reliable witness. He always told the truth, the only one that ever did, because he is the truth, amen? amen? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. Always told the truth. We can rely on what he says. The ruler of God's creation, listen to John 1, 1 through 3. This is what John says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, who inspired the word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word is referring to Jesus Christ. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So co-equal. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods. One God. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has being made. It tells us that the ruler of God's creation. God created everything in the beginning. He's always existed. Jesus knows what's going on. God knows what's going on. He can't hide anything from us. He knows every hair on our heads, those that have got some left. He knows when a sparrow falls from the sky. 
and he knew what was going on in the church in Laodicea. What was their spiritual condition? Tells us. They're neither hot nor cold. What, do we, what does he mean by that? Well, they were content just to play church, going through the motions. They were really indifferent towards God. The best word to sum it up is they were apathetic. All right? They were apathetic. People who are hot for God are committed to God, and they are deeply involved in their faith. Hear about people that are hot for God. You know, they're on fire for the Lord. You've heard that expression. And those who are cold, at least they can get hotter. <laughs> right? At least they can get hotter, those who are cold. But Jesus is talking about those people in the middle. They're neither hot nor cold. And Jesus describes them in verse 16 as lukewarm. Lukewarm. You ever try drinking lukewarm water? It leaves a nasty taste in your mouth. I just want to spit it out. But that's what Jesus wanted to do with these people. You know, many people have some knowledge about Jesus. Many numerous people uh, are religious. Millions of people say, well, I believe in God. So some uh, ex-gangster, and I think he still is a gangster, he said, well, I believe in God. Well, so does the devil. The devil believes in God too. But there's a lot of religious people that don't have a problem with Jesus. They believe who he was and all the rest of it. They try to do good. They think they are good because they go to church. And they may be good. They do good things. They never break the law. They're upstanding citizens. So they think they're okay with God. That they're going to gain some brownie points with him and uh, he's going to let them in for doing their good works. But the problem is, these lukewarm people that Jesus talks about, they lack a true, genuine faith in Jesus Christ, to be truly converted, to be truly born again, unfortunately. But there's still time. There's still time. But that was the condition of those people in that church in Laodicea. The taste of the Laodiceans' religious life, going through the motions and playing church, it was distasteful to Jesus. It made him sick. I like the old uh, authorized version, that English name. He said, I will spew you out of my mouth. I will vomit you. You make me sick. He wanted to spit them out of his mouth. Their religious activities and their mentality, it made him sick. That's what he said. That's what he said. I'm, not, I'm just saying what he said. I'm not making this up. Those who are lukewarm, they're in a spiritual coma. They are comfortably numb. They've got no enthusiasm for the things of God, 
and there's no sign of any spiritual vitality. That's people that are comfortably numb, those that are lukewarm. Verse 17 said, The people in Laodicean church, they were very prosperous. Mentioned that already. It was a very rich community. Probably even some wealthy bankers attended that church. Some members of that church, possibly. But even though they were materially rich, financially rich, Jesus says they were poor. He's meaning they were spiritually poor. Spiritually poor. They were spiritually bankrupt. And bankers can, and people that are broke can relate to that. They were also spiritually blind, he said. Not just spiritually poor, they were spiritually blind because they didn't see the need to have a close relationship with Jesus. And they had no vision to evangelize people who are lost, that that are unsaved. You're either saved or you're not saved. They boasted about their wealth, but it wouldn't last. Never does, does it? We're all going to leave it to somebody else. If you've got any left, somebody says, I'm spending my grandchildren's inheritance. Someone's going to spend it if you don't. (laughs) Amen? It wouldn't last. Their wealth wouldn't last. It doesn't last. Last. I went to visit uh, Elvis's home in Graceland one time. Everything he ever owned was still, it's all there. You can go see it for yourself. The airplanes, his driver's license, his motorcycle, gear, everything. His film scripts, it's all there. We leave everything behind. The only lasting treasure that is worth anything is stored up in heaven by being faithful to Jesus on earth. That's what really counts. That's what's going to count. What's being stored up in the bank of heaven. Amen? Amen. And Jesus talks about the rewards we're going to get. If we are faithful, it's all down to faithfulness. That's far more valuable to God than money and material possessions. Verse 18 there, Jesus says, he tells them then, because they were spiritually naked, to put on white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. It's it's symbolism. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. They were spiritually naked and they were spiritually blind. Now the Laodiceans, amongst other things, they were famous for the production of clothing, in particular woolen clothing. So they could relate to what Jesus was writing to them about. Jesus offers them to wear white garments, white garments. And these represent living a pure life to cover their spiritual nakedness. The true conversion to Christ, he not only covers our sins, 
he completely takes them away. We wear the robes of righteousness. You can't see it, I can't see it, but God sees it when we receive the son of righteousness, Jesus Christ. He doesn't see our sins. He doesn't see our faults. He sees Christ in us. Should get an amen for that one. Thank you, but later than never. The Laodiceans, they also produced and exported ointments. I mentioned that before. Ointments, they had their own medical hospital there to treat eye diseases. They exported those things. They produced and they exported ointments, eye salves. But Jesus offers them a cure for their spiritual blindness. Amen? Their spiritual blindness. He said, you're blind. But he's offering them a cure. Jesus enlightens us. He is the light. And we need to come to the light. Have you ever come to the light? You ever seen the light? Jesus is the light. Come to Jesus and you will be free indeed. Verse 19, <clears throat> Jesus tells the church to turn to him and get out of that lethargic, spiritual, lukewarm, indifferent, apathetic condition. Turn to him. Even in that condition, he still loved them. You know, God loves everybody. You know, God loves everybody. He loves everybody so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you on a cross. He bled and he suffered and he died for you to take your sins so you wouldn't have to bear the punishment of the things that you've done wrong in your life. He did it. And he loves everybody. He loved them. And he knew what was best for them. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for you. He didn't want them to suffer the consequences of their lukewarm indifference towards him. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it explains, and you can read it later, why it's absolutely necessary to discipline rebellious children, to discipline rebellious children of God. You're either a child of God or you're not. And sometimes rebellious children, they go astray. And God has to bring in various means and circumstances, even uses sickness to bring those people to repentance and get in line with what he wants for their lives because he knows what's best for our life. He uses different means, not because he dislikes that person or hates that person. He does it because he loves that person. If you have a child and you allow that child to continue to live in that rebellion, he's going to grow up that way and be a menace to society. So what you do, or you ought to be doing, is to discipline that child in a loving way. I'm not talking about child abuse. That's absolutely wrong and out of order. Discipline that child, and every child is different. Some children, not even going to say it, some of them need to be put in a corner. Or you take their Xbox from them, or whatever, you, you know. You know that your child better than anybody else does. 
and every child is different. God knows each one of us and each of his children. Amen? And he uses different... He wants us to walk in fellowship with him. He doesn't want us to be rebels. He wants us to be controlled by his Holy Spirit so we can have peace and abundant life in this world, which we can if we come in line with what he wants for our life. Are you with me so far? All right. Now in verse 20. This is often quoted to evangelize the unsaved. All right. Which, which is okay. We can still use that. And it's more common for that fact that to, trying to evangelize people that are not saved, to evangelize the lost. And it still applies, but it's not really that's what, what it means. And I'll quote it, verse 20. And Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Like I said, it's often quoted to evangelize the unsaved, but it's written to the church in Laodicea. It's got to be taken in its proper context. It's written to the saved. It can apply to the unsaved as well. Jesus is always there. He's knocking on your heart's door. All you've got to do is op open your heart's door to Jesus and let him in. Receive him as your saviour and then you'll be saved. Simple. Even a child can understand that. You see Jesus. He's outside the door of the church. He's knocking on the door. If it was my door, the dog would be barking. And it's really loud. Joe came to the door the other day and I have to go like this, even though I'm partially deaf. There's a picture of Jesus standing, knocking at the door of the church in Laodicea. He wants, he's, he wants to be welcomed in. You may have seen that uh, painting and Jesus is knocking on the door and there's no door handle. Well, it doesn't say that, but it, it's okay. He wants to come in. He wants to eat. He wants to sup with them. He wants to fellowship with them. And enjoy a meal. Who doesn't enjoy a meal? I had too much over the Christmas break, I tell you what. Still got some candy left over. He wants to come in and fellowship with them. We have a fellowship meal here, usually, about the end of each month. It's a great time. We have a great time of fellowship. That's what Jesus wants. He wants to have fellowship with the, those people in the Laodicean church. But, unfortunately, that church didn't invite him in. They kept him outside. Have you ever invited him in to your life, into your heart? Or are you going to keep him out? Are you going to close the door on him? He's knocking on the door. Can you hear him? He's knocking on the door. Even though he won the victory over sin, he died for them. He won the victory over sin. He won the victory over the devil. He won the victory over the grave when he rose again from the dead. He rose again from the dead. But what happens? They still blocked him out. They didn't invite him in. 
They blocked him out of their lives. That's what so many people do. And it's a shame because they don't realize the blessings and the joy that you can have when you just open up your heart's door and receive him as your savior. Have you ever done that yet? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? One day it'll be too late. Be too late. Even because they didn't allow him to come in to that church because they were so content with what they had, their material possessions and their, their riches. He, he graciously promises the church, that church, that if they repent, if they turn from that lukewarm attitude, that indifferent, apathetic attitude that they had towards him, he's still offering them a chance to be rewarded, to give them the honor of sitting with him when he returns to rule his kingdom, his coming kingdom on this earth. One day he's coming back. He's promised to come back, and he will, and set up his kingdom. And we can rule and reign with him. And he's offering them that opportunity if they would just let him in, not block him out. Regarding the coming kingdom, this is what Luke Chapter 1 says, and he says this, the angel Gabriel, and you're familiar with this around Christmas time, the angel Gabriel told Jesus' mother, Mary, that her child, Jesus, would be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, S-O-N, Son of the Most High. This is God's Son. Jesus, and the Lord God will give him, who? Jesus, the throne of his father, David. See, Jesus was in the lineage, the line of David, King David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. And when it talks about Jacob, it's always referring to the nation of Israel. And Jesus is going to set up his kingdom and his throne in Jerusalem, one of these days. He will reign over the house of Jacob, Israel, forever, and his kingdom, there will be no end. So Jesus is offering those lukewarm, the church, a reward if only they would submit, turn from the condition that they were in and receive him and live for him and do what they were supposed to do and not live rebelliously, have that attitude. So finally, come to the final verse. In verse 22, he challenges the church like he does in every letter to each church. There's seven altogether, remember. This is the final one. He ends with the same encouragement and command. Not only to listen but also obey his commandments. And that goes for any church in any generation. That's what we are supposed to do. We are to listen, like you have this morning, 
at whatever time you're watching this, not only listen, but also obey. His commandments, listen and obey. Make that your new year's resolution if you haven't done so already. I've made three. I've broken one already. I'm not going to tell you what it is because old habits die hard. I got two, I'm hoping and praying. But you know, none of us are perfect, are we? None of us are perfect. If we were, we wouldn't have needed the perfect savior to die on the cross. Amen? Amen. So that concludes our study of the seven letters addressed to the church, churches in Asia Minor, which is modern day Western Turkey. Hopefully, we have learned some valuable lessons from each one of them. And I'm not going to go through the whole list because of time. Finally, I hope today that we've learned something from the attitude of the people that made up the church in Laodicea. To never have a, a smug, lukewarm, apathetic, indifferent attitude towards the things of God that blocks out the Holy Spirit, that blocks out Jesus from giving us peace and giving to glory to God in our lives. Amen? Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we're so thankful for everyone that's here this morning. We thank you for those that have been listening, wherever you may be and watching. So thankful for you that you've tuned in. Continue to do so and let us continue to learn in a practical way the things that we are learning through this book of Revelation. And I pray that uh, we'll take things to heart, that we'll never have a, an apathetic, indifferent attitude towards you that blocks you out of our life. You want what's best for us. You know what's best for us. And help us to yield to you. And those of you that are listening here, or wherever you may be, Jesus is knocking on your heart's door. I hope and pray that you will call upon his name to save you so you can find true peace in this world and have a home in heaven when you leave it. We pray these things in the name which is above every name, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.